We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. And joining me tonight is my co-host, like always, former NFL defensive back, Eric Arkansas Crocker. How you doing, <laughs> brother? How's it going over there? Uh, howdy. I'm doing good. <laughs> you know, they get on me all the time. Old, I, I guess um, one thing... I, I didn't realize how much I say, say it until they kind of like pointed out, but I say you guys so much and they say y'all, which I, I, I use y'all. I'm pretty sure we all use y'all. Like, man, what are y'all doing? Like, but they don't use you guys at all. So, so the people at my job, they make fun of me for how much I say you guys, which I never <laughs> even realized how much I say it. No, that was the biggest I mean, surprise to me when I went to basic training was was y'all. Like, I had no idea. I never said it when I was younger. I wasn't around people that said it very much. I think that word is kind of more popular today than it was when I was younger. But I, I never said it. I was never around people that said it. I knew what it meant, and I've heard it and stuff. And but and but then I went there, and I was it was like an every sentence type of thing especially during a training environment when you're constantly around a lot of people and everybody has all the reason they need to say y'all over and over and over and over. And so I just heard it so much. And, and that was like the, one of the words I took home with me that, that, you know, California people were looking at me going, did you say y'all? I was like, yeah, what about it? And they're like, well, what? <laughs> so and, was, <laughs> and they say it like with like enthusiasm, like it's like, like pride, you know, like that, like they like draw it out. They're like, y'all, you know, like, like, like they like slow it down. And I'm like, and it, so it was, it was funny to just kind of like, that was the one word I remember. Cause I remember being on here a couple weeks ago talking about how I started to develop, develop like a little Southern draw just after two months. But y'all was definitely the one word I, I remember distinctly going like, Whoa, okay. It's, I, I got to pick this up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they, they say some things I, I make fun of them all the time. 
they that when they say it, it's it's the weirdest thing ever. Like when they when they use it at the end of a sentence, they say it like normal. Like um go find it. Like they, they say it like normal. But when they use it in the middle of a sentence, it's like uh they say it as if they're saying someone's name. It's really weird and it's hard to explain, but it's almost like they're using like air quotes saying the word it, but they're not. It's like yeah. it's like they emphasize it. I don't know. It's it's so hard to explain. But I I heard one guy and I'm thinking like, you know, that's that's just how he says it. And then I noticed that the other people I work with, they say the same thing. And I was like, wow. And they don't even know that they're doing it. And and I told them about it. But um, yeah, just interesting stuff here in Arkansas, man. Interesting. That's probably the best way to describe it is just interesting. Something I'd have to go over there and find out for myself because I've never been there. Never been to Arkansas. You don't want to. You don't. Well, maybe, maybe not then. I mean, if it doesn't have the Crocker seal of approval, then I, I guess there's no yeah. point in going all the way over there. But yeah. especially if I'm driving, man, what a drive that would be. But yeah. All right. So 49ers, I suppose. Right. That's why we're here. Um, and, and you obviously brought this up, Crocker, and you said you've been you've been seeing a lot of kind of back and forth or at least just people talking about George Kittle's contract through social media and you know, there was a report not too long ago, I believe it was from Mike Silver, if I'm not mistaken, that the 49ers and George Kittle were not close in regards to a contract extension for the 49ers star tight end. And obviously, anytime somebody says that, first of all, I wouldn't expect, whenever you start contract negotiations, the two sides usually aren't close. That's just usually how you start. You know, that's just how negotiations work. But two, we have a weird landscape right now for contract stuff. Like the through the, the player agreement, the salary cap was supposed to go up. But now due to loss, possible loss of revenue, the salary cap could be impacted negatively um, due to all the COVID-19 stuff and regulations that are going to probably carry over into the season. So it's, it's like I'm sure teams are – entering into these negotiations, not maybe not as confident in what they're going to have available to them going into next season. You know, so maybe that adds another layer of confusion to this, what is probably a fairly complicated negotiation for George Kittle's contract. But before I even say anything, Crocker, why don't you, you can, I mean, offer your thoughts on the contract, what, your opinion, what you've seen, any, and start wherever, man. What do you think? I think the first thing I would say is, you know, a wise man once said, and and that wise man is Aaron Rodgers, R E L A X, relax, <laughs> because it's like it has caused like this big like commotion amongst 49er fans and and then to the point where people are debating is he worth the money or do you pay him this do you pay him that and it's like who cares what they pay him just get the deal done you know and it's like this big debate on the number um oh there's no way you can pay him 20 million dollars a year oh you know no tight ends only get this and he's you, no tight end takes up 10% of the salary cap. He's not Gronkowski. Like that's the only guy to do that. And I mean, I would say to all of it, like, I really don't care. Just get the, get it done. You know, that's my, that was my initial thought. Um, overall, you know, it, it isn't, it is intriguing, but for me more so just to see, you know, what does he get? How does he kind of, you know, reshape the landscape of what tight ends are getting? Um, he isn't just a tight end. And if you just, I guess, you know, if you look at it from a perspective of, you know, what receivers get, and if you compare, you know, him to one of the top, you know, receivers, I'd say like, you know, an Odell Beckham or, you know, even a guy like Amari Cooper that just got, you know, $100 million. Who would you rather have on your team, Amari Cooper or George Kittle? You can answer that. 
Oh, I mean, that's an easy one. What's what's interesting that you say that is because that's exactly what I was thinking of before we hopped on here. Like, I know that there there are Kittle's agent. Don't recall his name has already come out and said, I'm not negotiating a tight end contract. I'm negotiating a George Kittle contract, which is is exactly how you need to say it, because. The the fact I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are very like entrenched in the and I'm pulling a bump right now. They're entrenched in like the, the structures of other contracts and how they've been doled out and who makes what. And they're like, well, if if Hunter Henry Hunter Henry is averaging ten point six million a year, Austin Hooper, ten point five million a year, nine point Travis Kelsey, nine point three a year. Like, how could they pay Kittle this much money? How could they pay him $15 million a year, 20 whatever it's going to get up to? It's it's all about value within that organization. Like, what does that player mean to you? And what does that player know he means to you? There's no question what George Kittle means to the offense, and that is goes so far beyond catching the football and breaking the record for receiving yards for a tight end in his second year with the team. If I got that right. It's yeah. it's there. I mean, it, it's, I think you just summed it up. Perfect. Amari Cooper just signed a hundred million dollar contract averaging $20 million a year. Would you take him or Amari Cooper? And my answer would be George Kittle 10 times out of 10. Julio Jones is averaging $22 million a year. And you, if you ask me, would I take Julio Jones or George Kittle, I might wrestle with myself a little bit, but I'm probably still going to ch- pick George Kittle. Even if you, you, know, you, you come to the conclusion that you'd rather have George Kittle, which, again, I'm watching some All-22 for – I don't know why I'm watching this um, against the uh-huh. Steelers. And he just caught this out route, stopped on the dime, made the guy miss, cut back, made another guy miss – and then drug another guy three yards, George Kittle. But anyways, and it was like in a clutch, like this is fourth quarter. But um, even if you wrestle with yourself, and even if you end up going with Julio Jones, because he's Julio Jones, there's still there's still like a conversation to be made. Is Julio, you know, $5 million a year better than George Kittle? You know, I don't... Right, right. I, I don't, the fact know, that I even have to wrestle with that is doing George Kittle and his agent a favor there. The 49ers, I mean, just think about it. Like, let's say the saints just have had it with Michael Thomas, Drew Brees and his dumbass opinions won out in the front office. And for he's convinced somebody to trade Michael Thomas. This is in a complete fantasy land that doesn't exist. So the saints call the 49ers. They're like, Hey, we'll give you Michael Thomas for George Kittle. Um, the 49ers I think they would, would say no. Right. The 49ers would say no. And you're talking about a guy that caught for like 1,700 yards last year. But the 49ers would say no. And they do, and essentially, my, and Michael Thomas is making $19.2 million a year. Now, yes, the markets and what people are making and what the league values those positions and how much they get played does have, does have a say in – how much, you know, obviously that's not to say that George Kittle is going to get paid $20 million a year, $19 million a year. He might. He very well could. That's probably what was, that's probably in the neighborhood of what they started at. They might come down from there, but that's probably where they started. And the 49ers have no choice but to entertain that. Like, you got to think about like kid George Kittle has every right to ask for as much as he can get. That is every player's right. Every time they go to the negotiating table is to ask for as much as they can get, because you're talking about the kind of money. And a lot of people don't realize this when they throw around like, Oh, they should just take a team friendly deal, man. Keep the team together. Keep more players. You're talking about money that if, if treated right, can take care of George Kittle and his family that is to come can take care of, the generation to follow that. And I mean, I'm assuming if you talk to some type of financial manager, he would tell you it could take care of the generation to follow that. And 
you're talking about money that like it will secure your family's posterity for generations to come. That is how much money these NFL players are making. So anytime anybody throws out there like, oh man, team friendly deal, just take less, you know, it's not that big a deal. Like you're asking these guys to possibly forego security in the future and and the luxury of being, I mean, every time I see a video of these guys buying their parents a house, buying their parents a car, like I, dude, I love it. Like, like, and I've even, I even had that conversation with one one of my middle school wide receivers who was just so damn good. I said, I sat him down. I was like, look, dude. I know where you come from and I know how much your family has struggled. If you put your head to the ground and you continue to work hard, you are talented enough to take care of your family for the rest of their life. And, you know, it's tough to sit a middle schooler down, a 13 year old and say, look, like, cause I know he loves the game, but I'm telling, I was trying to impose, like just impress on him how big the stakes are and, and how much he could really impact the lives of others through his own talent. And so that kind of all, I always keep that in mind too. Whenever I hear about contract negotiation numbers, these guys know what they're going to be able to do with that money outside of their own fun, outside of, you know, his, George Kittle's house, George Kittle's car, everything they want to do, you know, that sort of thing. But like, they're, you're talking about securing the future for, for, for generations to come. And, and that's why I don't ever like, I don't ever insert my opinion when it comes to what other people are trying to earn because it's very important and they've worked so damn hard to get to this point. So if George Kittle wants to get 20 million and he thinks he has a seat at that table and he can ask for that much and not get laughed at, then that's exactly what he should do. And if the 49ers pay him 20 million, then good. Like you going to let that guy walk? Cause there will be, 30 other 31 other teams perfectly happy to pay him 20 million a year or at least get up there. I mean, am I, am I crazy? Um, I mean, I, I, I think realistically, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say he gets somewhere around 16, 17 million, but yeah, even then that's still blowing out, you know, the water of these other, you know, tight end contracts. I think for George Kittle, in my opinion, like I, I put on Twitter, if I'm George Kittle, I don't play another down without a new contract, first and foremost. Like, I'm not touching the field. And I don't, you know, I, I think most people look at it like, oh, well, that's your, you know, that's your uh, your leader. That's your, that's a bad tone. And no, it's like, no, dude, like, George Kittle plays as hard as anybody. I, I'm, I'm willing to say that nobody plays harder on a play-in, play-out basis than George Kittle. Now, I'm not saying that there's nobody that plays as hard as him, but nobody plays harder. And he puts his body on the line every single play, whether it's in the passing game, you know, after catching balls and how he, you know, runs through, you know, defenders, whether it's in the running game where he's out here pancaking and moving big, you know, 280-pound defensive ends. Like, he he leaves the game banged up. He's had this labrum injury um, that he's been dealing with. Like, there's no way, like, when if you play the way that he plays and what's on the line right now for him, I'm not stepping on foot without a new contract. So, you know, I, I, I hope it's something that they can kind of get situated and get done quick because if George Kittle's agent – and a lot of times I think when people, you know, hear about a guy holding out, they 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 immediately, like, go to the player. Oh, the player is selfish. A lot of times it's being instructed by their agent. And the agent's like, look, you have the leverage – you sit out. I know you want to be out there. I'm pretty sure they want you to be out there. At the end of the day, you know, right now, this is your leverage. You're not going to play until this contract gets done. And a lot of times, it's the agent's, it's, it's the agent's uh, decision. And the players pay the agent to make those type of decisions for them to get the most money that they can get. So. Well, and it's the last thing. I mean, just imagine the financial damage of George Kittle, whether it's in training camp, and I, you know, I'm knocking on wood while I'm saying this, whether it's in training camp or start of the season, what if he gets hurt? You know, what if what if he has a significant injury? Because a guy that involved in every single play of the offense, there's a high risk of getting hurt all the time, and all this like the amount of damage that would do to the contract that he was slated to get would be like catastrophic. You know what I mean? It, it would be. Uh, like there would be the, the amount of money he would lose would be, I don't even know the word to describe it. It would be significant. So 
if he does get to that point. Now, you all, have, everybody listening has become perfectly familiar with who George Kittle is, the type of person he is, the type of football player he is. And if George Kittle held out, you would know, like Crocker said, that it was at the advice of his agent. And you like, like I'm trying to say, you know who George Kittle is. Every fiber of his being wants to be on the football field. Like there's no questioning that there it would anybody that tried to slander him in any way, if he decided to do that would just be telling on themselves because everybody who's been paying attention over the past three years knows what type of person he is and how much he loves it out there and how much he brings to the team. So it's, I would laugh at anybody who tried to, who would try to cast those kinds of stones. If George Kittle did get, if the contract did get to that point, because you know how he is and you know he wants to be out there. But if that's what it takes to move the deal along and to spur action and to get his contract signed to the degree that he wants it, then that's then that's what it takes. It is what it is. Yeah. Like I said, you can't you can't tell a player what his money is worth or what his you know what his worth is because he's the one that's put in all that work. He's the one that's put in all that time. He's the one sitting there staring at a contract that like I said, will fulfill his, you know, aspirations for for the rest of his life and for generations to come. You know, it, it, there's there's nobody out there that that can, with any sort of, what am I trying to say, credibility, ridicule somebody else's contract like that. It just doesn't work like that. So, you know, I, I'm right there with you, Crocker. I think that Kittle will probably get somewhere in the neighborhood of. I would I would be surprised. If it was 15 million, I feel like the 49ers would get would be getting like a good deal if it were like 15 million. But I expecting like a, like a like a 17 seems like the number, you know, because yeah, that, that, that's a really good number for him. That's a really that's good number. seven million dollars a year over the highest paid tight end. And I can guarantee you if the 49ers give him that contract every general manager and salary cap person in the league would look at it and go, yeah, I could see it because they would all pay him that money. All of them. Like there is like, you're talking about one of the, the brightest stars in the entire NFL. And he knows it because he loves that spotlight. The dude has the rock shouting him out on Twitter. Like, (laughs) Like yeah. and and he's a huge WWE fan, so obviously that means a ton to him. But like, he is one of the NFL's stars. You could probably say, I mean, he might be a top top ten most popular player in the NFL. It's, right. You know, he's, he's just a maniac, and and he loves it, and he's a he, he's all about personality. He's all about like maniacal work effort, you know, and he's just a huge part of what this team is. And he's a great story, a fifth-round draft pick that in two years became one of, if not the best, you know, I'm talking about the year he broke the record, one of, if not the best tight ends in the NFL. And, you know, it it'll, it would be tough to – the idea of, of the 49ers getting to a point where they considered letting someone like that walk is just, like, not even a part of the conversation. You know, it, it would just – it goes beyond the amount of money. It, it would it would just border on incompetence. Like, you you know, it gets to a point where you just pay the man what what he's asking and move on with it. Make it work because that guy right. is your is your offense. And it will get done. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, you know, the 49ers want to make sure that he gets done just as much as him. And again, you know, leader of the team, face of the franchise. You know, one of the best non quarterback players in the league. Uh, today, you know, it it'll get done. So if I'm 49 er fans, I, I don't worry about you know what he's getting, or you know what. It really, is just a matter of you know when the deal when the deal gets done. And um, I've seen it be like a really big controversial like kind of story on Twitter, and it's not something that I would kind of really waste energy, you know, debating too much about it. Deal's gonna get done. They're, they're gonna pay him. He'll be the highest paid tight end in the league by a good margin. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's. What's funny is you hear people say reset the tight end market so often 
but they're not really resetting anything. They're just becoming the highest paid of that position. And they're just, they're just leapfrogging the people that were behind him. Like Austin Hooper got paid, you know, he's making, he just got signed by the bears and he's making 10.5 million a year. Travis Kelsey is at 9.3. Kyle Rudolph is at nine. Rob Gronkowski was at nine. If anybody kind of reset things, it was probably Rob Gronkowski because he was just so far above everybody else. Zach Ertz, 8.5. Jimmy Graham, 8. You can see there's just a steady, if you were to put it put it this all on a graph, it would just be this steady rise from one tight end to the other. And then when George Kittle gets signed, there is going to be a massive leap up. If you're looking at this like a graph from the side, and he is going to truly reset the tight end market. And the next tight end, usually, like you saw, the, there's just this trend of, and it's the same thing with quarterbacks, where the next tight end, the next good tight end to get signed makes, makes you know, leapfrogs George Kittle. That's not going to happen. I, I don't even think that's going to happen, though. It's not. I, I think George Kittle, I, I think, you know, he'll get what he's what he gets, but I think it's going to be hard to uh, for another tight end to justify uh, getting George Kittle money because are you doing what George Kittle is doing and not just in the run game? I mean, in the passing game, but in the running game as well. And him also being who he is, like in the locker room, it is going to be hard. I think everybody, even in the league, knows how much George Kittle means to the 49ers. It'd be really hard for another tight end to kind of justify that. You'd have to be a guy, one who is capable of, you know, George Kittle went over a thousand yards after missing two and a half games. You know, he still went over a thousand. So, you know, we're talking about a guy who is a walking, you know, twelve hundred yard, you know, receiving tight end. And on top of that, he's like destroying defensive linemen. And he's versatile. Like, you know, it's just and he's taking end arounds. Like they've give they gave him like multiple end arounds. Um, you know, like reverses. <laughs> you know, those are things you do with your your running backs and and uh receivers. So I, I think Whatever he does get, it's still. I think it's still going to be hard for the next tight end, unless it's just like a no-brainer, like a, uh, like a, you know, Travis Kelsey or something. You know, if he gets another big contract, unless it's somebody like Kelsey or maybe Ertz, or you know, there is one what, for the Baltimore that's pretty good, but I don't think he's doing George Kittle numbers. It's going to no, be really he- hard for. Uh, another uh, tight end to justify getting that much money. Right. I don't think it's like quarterback where like, no matter what, you know, the next quarterback is going to just flat out, you know, he's just going to suppress the previous quarterbacks contract money. I I don't think it's going to be something like that. I think, I think whatever number, you know, George Kittle gets, I think that number will be the highest paid for a while. Yeah. No, I, I, I believe that, George Kittle's going to put so much space in between him and the next guy that, and I, and I was I was thinking the exact same thing. The only person that if and I don't think Travis Kelsey is due to resign anything for a while, um, and he's the only person that can come close to to touching what George Kittle's going to touch. And you know it, it'll it'll be George Kittle, and there'll be people resigning underneath him, and that'll be it for a little while. You know that's just the way it's going to be. So all right. I think we've kind of firmly established our stance on George Kittle. We're going to get a quick word in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk some, a little bit of Kendrick Bourne. Right now, we all know there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. You've been hearing about it. You know it. And everything's slowly starting to make its way back. Sports are making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer. If you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. If you're looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, prop bets that you got to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline is your online wagering expert.
So, Kendrick Bourne. What type of the question posed to me by my co-host was, what type of role is he going to have next season? And, you know, that's, and, and you said that it was a pretty good topic in your mentions. You had a lot of discussion going on about it. So tell me about that discussion and, and tell us what you saw. Like, what were some of the, the opinions kind of just being put out there? So I think, you know, I, I had tweeted out, you know, um, fourth and nine. I covered the 49ers for fourth and nine. And fourth and nine had tweeted out, you know, a picture of Kendrick Bourne. And, and I mean, yeah, like a gif of Kendrick Bourne. And I, I retweeted and put, you know, big year coming up for Bourne. And they had some of his numbers, um, you know, in, in their original tweet. But you know, I said, big year coming up. And there were a lot of people. I got, well, I don't want to say a lot of people. But there was, a, you know, there was a little bit of, of pushback. And I, I, I think for good reasons, if you just look at it, uh, just, you know, just looking at the team and you look at the roster and you look at the guys the 49ers have, and I think you could say that Bourne would get lost in the shuffle. Uh, my opinion of it is that, no, I believe he is the guy, one of the guys going in uh, to the season starting opposite of Debo Samuel. I think I think he should. I th- what, not should. I think he is the guy that's going to be starting opposite Debo Samuel. And my reasons... For this, are there are other guys? You know, I had a guy saying, "Well, what if Trent Taylor is healthier? What if Hurd is healthier? You know, what if this? What if that?" And my thing with Kendrick Bourne is there is no what if. Kendrick Bourne is always healthy. He's always showing up. He's working his butt off this off season. Um, this is the most focused that I've seen him. And I'm not just going off of like uh, his, uh, you know, Instagram, you know, posting videos. Like you know, my, <laughs> one of my buddies. One of my uh, former teammates, he trains him out in, out in Portland. Like, dude's super focused right now. And he's working. So he's working his tail off. Uh, I think even last year, he was reliable. And I think he excelled in his role, which was a small role. Um, but he did very well in that role that they, you know, what they asked him to do. And now you're going into a season where there has been some turnover, right? There's no more Emmanuel Sanders. And then you have other guys like, uh, you know, you drafted a, a receiver second round, and I think that's the name that people hear, and it's like, well, Bourne isn't going to get love with with this guy on the roster. And my thing is, I think he, I think he will, and the reason why is because there's no OTAs this year. And you know, you brought it up when we were talking before the show, but you know, Debo Samuel will tell you how hard it is to pick up this offense. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he expects and asks his guys to learn all three um, positions, all three receiver positions. That, that's tough. And that's extremely tough on a rookie who has no idea what an NFL playbook looks like. So now you're telling me you have a kid who missed all of, you know, OTAs, didn't have an offseason, didn't have that time with their coaches. Yeah, you have Zoom meetings, but that's not the same as being able to walk through, you know, and get those live reps. And then all of a sudden you're thrown into the fire in training camp. That's tough. And we heard Debo Samuel last year say, you know, during training camp and even heading into the season, he didn't think he would ever get the offense down. Like he thought it was that difficult that he did he he didn't think he even had a chance of learning it at all. Um, so imagine, and that's what somebody that had offseason OTAs. Imagine not having that and being thrown into this kind of fire. You know, that's tough. So there is one guy, like I said, that's they can count on. He's been reliable. He's run the wrong route a couple of times, but more times than not, he's he's bailed out Jimmy Garoppolo a few times. Uh, I think he's primed to start now. The wager I bet with I bet with one of the followers was that he'd have forty five catches, and I think he will. I think he'll have forty five catches, and uh, I don't think that's like world breaking or anything like that. I think that's a good number for him. And that's just kind of you know where I'm at with 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 Kendrick Bourne. There there are a lot of you know different variables, but I, I don't I think he is what, who he is, and I and I and I really like what he brings to the table um, from a consistency standpoint. And we don't have all the question marks with him like we have with some of the other guys. No, I think that's a good point. I think that all you have to do to place all you have to do to emphasize Kendrick Bourne's importance is excuse me, take a look at the rest of the roster at his position. Take a look at the rest 
of the wide receiver roster. You have Brandon Ayuk, who you just talked about, who is who is a talented rookie. He's a first round, genuine first round wide receiver with some serious talent. But he is a rookie, and he is like Crocker just got to explain to you, coming into the the training camp seriously shorthanded as far as preparation goes. Then you have Travis Benjamin, who is a speedy veteran who may not make the roster. Okay, then you have Chris Finke, undrafted edition, uh, probably won't make the roster. Then you have Jalen Hurd, who is obviously a, a third-round pick with a ton of potential, but he suffered a very significant back injury, and he is apparently kind of working his way back from that. But a question mark. We don't know what we're going to get from him. He was inexperienced as a rookie and didn't get to play at all. He played in the preseason, and then that was it because he got hurt. Didn't, didn't play at all for the rest of the season. And we have no idea what condition he's in. He, you know, reportedly he's sprinting, he's running routes, he's doing everything he needs to do. Um, but we have no idea. Like I said, question mark. Richie James Jr. kind of, you know, has shown some flashes here and there, but kind of seems like he fell out of graces with the as, as a receiver and, you know, might not even make the roster. You never know. Um, Jawan Jennings. Seventh round draft pick might not make the roster. Has some intrigue to him, but might not make the roster. Dante Pettis, former second round pick, who Kendrick Bourne jumped on the depth chart a long time ago. Even Dante Pettis might not be on the roster. Who knows? Uh, Sean Poindexter, just kind of a solid undrafted guy who competes for a spot on the practice card. Then Debo Samuel, we all know what we got there. Trent Taylor could com- recover completely from his multitude of foot surgeries, and you know. Injuries before that, you know, it sucks because Trent Taylor had an incredible college career and then with 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 really very little injuries, played a lot, and then he got to the 49ers and had that great rookie season and then got hurt and started going downhill from there. Not to his own fault, but he's still trying to recover. Another question mark. Not really sure what you're going to get. If he's healthy, he could have a huge impact. But again, it's a question mark. Chris Thompson, practice squad guy. So where in there did you hear the person that is going to clearly challenge Kendrick Bourne for his spot. Because I didn't hear anybody. Brandon Ayuk should come along. We'll probably They will give him every chance to play as big of a role as he can play. Um, you know, you don't know what you're going to get with Jalen Hurd yet. You don't know what you're going to get from Trent Taylor at all. We don't, we don't know. You know, sure, they could come in, and but are you going to leapform, leapfrog Kendrick Bourne, who's proven to be at the very least reliable and has gotten all this experience over the past few years, and you know, and and his and has authored some big moments in and of himself. And even then, I, when it comes I, to I Trent so. Taylor, he's he's pigeonholed into a very specific role, more specific than anyone else on this team. When it comes to Trent Taylor, so that's even if Trent Taylor is healthy, I don't think he has much, if any, effect on anything that goes on with Kendrick Bourne. Right. And, and and you know, you do have a void. The 49ers traded for Emmanuel Sanders and then let him hit free agency. So you do have opportunity there. Debo Samuel's place in the offense is obviously solidified, and it's only going to grow from there. George Kittle's spot him in the offense, obviously, same thing. You have kind of this this role for either a you know within the offense a wide receiver two and three, you know is 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 that going to be is that going to be Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne? It seems like it would be. You know maybe somebody else works their way into that rotation, you know. But but you're just talking about guys that you know at this point that have fewer question marks than everybody else. Brandon Ayuk is going to have a steep learning curve. But he's a first round round wide up. The 49ers likely expect to get onto the field fairly soon. But Kendrick Bourne is, to me, far and away the most obvious option to step in opposite Debo Samuel until Brandon Ayuk says, no, nah, man, I, I got this. Because that's what the 49ers expect him to do. It's just going to take some time. That dude is getting hit with a tidal wave of Shanahan playbook right now. Like he is probably completely overwhelmed at this point, having all of that in front of him with no live reps and no walkthroughs and nothing to help give him any other form of memorizing that. I'm sure he's doing stuff on his own. And, you know, there's there's probably stuff going on that we don't know about, but it's going to be a while before that guy. And, and the last thing a wide receiver needs 
when he's on the field is to question what he's doing. It all it's all about like comfort and fluidity because then you can react to the defensive back and what he's getting you and you can react to the coverages and you can start to get one step ahead of the defense and he's still going to be learning what he's supposed to do let alone trying to analyze what everybody else on the field is doing it's you know he's going to be swimming and so to me it's it's the Kendrick Bourne show and I, and I don't see why not right like you know and, and why that, not and and I think people know like I'm a Kendrick Bourne like I like Kendrick Bourne, but again I bet that he'd have 45 catches. You know I'm not saying he's gonna have some, you know 70 catch, you know 900 yard season. You know I, I'm not saying that, but you know 45 catches, 600 yards, and I think that would be a solid season for him. And I think that's something he's capable of. And you draft guys like Ayuk because he has a higher upside and. And you have Debo, and you know those are probably yeah, those are going to be your guys moving forward. But as it stands right now, going in, if you told me who you're going to be the starters day one, first day of training camp, I would probably think Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, and I don't think most people would have you know too much of an issue with that. And I yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you have to think. And, and and try to play and you know we we've seen that even with guys like even with uh Debo Samuel the the good thing the thing that kind of bailed Debo out is he has this you know the other element to his game where he's just amazing with the ball in his hands and you can give him those end arounds and he turns into a running back and so even on plays where or times where maybe he's not as involved in the offense you still can kind of get him involved with an end around, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, that 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 helps keep him in the game. But, yeah, for IU, yeah, there's definitely going to be those learning curves and it's going to be tough. And not just for him. I think for any rookie receiver, I, I think if, if we were going to see a year where you don't get much out of rookie receivers, I, I think it would be this year. And it's, the crazy thing is it's in a year where, I mean, you had a lot of – Receivers drafted in the first round, I want to say six. Um, you know, there were only two receivers drafted in the first round the, the previous season. So, um, yeah, six six receivers, I want to say, drafted in the first round this year. And none of them are going to have offseason OTAs. Those walkthroughs are pivotal. pivotal. I, I remember seeing my uh, – when I was with the New York Jets, my, my buddies that, you know, play receiver – they were walking around. I mean, we're talking about off-season OTAs. They're walking around the whole time with flashcards, trying to study so they can memorize and, and learn the plays and learn where they're supposed to be and their motions and the different options off of routes. You know, that's that's tough. That's tough, especially when you don't have that time. You don't have those walkthroughs, man. Walkthroughs are a time for, you know, everything that you install that day, you get to walk through it. And not only do you get to walk through it, you get to see the person in front of you too. You get to watch them. Okay, he did that. Okay, this was the play. I'm listening to the play. Okay, and he does that. Okay, and then you go and you follow and you do it too. You don't get those reps right now, and that's going to be tough for all rookie receivers. Yep, I mean it's it, it, the spot is his man, and there and he's not going to be knocked off of it for any reason. I, I just don't see it, it happening now. There could definitely be a Jalen Hurd surprise, a, a Trent Taylor surprise, you know, and them coming out of nowhere. Um, after you know a, a rough go last year, and and maybe we get something that's like I said that surprises us. But right now you have you've just you've got to realize that it's Kendrick Bourne's spot, and you know after the last few years, and, and not to mention there's something to be said about his relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean Jimmy Garoppolo has no problem throwing to that guy, and especially when you get into the red zone. I mean over the last couple of years he has I think he might be one touchdown shy of George Kittle. You know, and, and, and a lot of those were in the red zone and within that five, ten, ten, five yard line, you know, and, and he's got that shake. He has that element to him where he doesn't have top end speed. He's not a fast guy, but he has a lot of shake. He has a lot of wiggle in his routes and he's got good hands, contrary to, you know, the, the one or two or three drops that everybody chooses to remember because they were in a huge moment. Um, you know, he's got good hands and he's got good wiggle and he gets open in short space and, and, Jim Garoppolo seems like he has no problem throwing him to him in, in, in the paint. So like, 
I, I just don't see any reason why you would be trying to convince yourself that his role is that he doesn't have a role. Let's say even Brandon Ayuk just takes off day one, just destroying. That's you now have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and the 49ers will use a third wide receiver, at least consistency. They don't do it that often. But he's still going to have a role, even if Brandon Ayuk, you know, just takes off and is and is everything the 49ers hoped faster than everyone expected. Kendrick Bourne's still going to have a role. He's still that third guy um, that that the 49ers know that they can rely on, and he's steadily gotten better as he's gone on. You know, as as he's gained more experience, he just looks like he belongs. He might not be a world beater. He might not be getting up, you know, in the anywhere near a thousand yards, but he's, he's a solid piece and he's somebody that they, that can move the chains, which is what he does, you know? So I don't know, but I mean, like you were talking about earlier, the, the fact that the, these guys aren't going to get OTAs is pretty significant. The only thing they have going for them rookies, be it is every rookie is going through the same thing. You know, that all of these teams in the way the NFL is treating it. Now there is some X factor when it comes to, you know, the NFL's guidelines on you're only allowed to do what your, what your local authorities have allowed the public to do as far as participation goes and, and being on the field. But for the most part, they're, you know, they're, they're going to have to find a way to make sure things stay relatively even. So a lot of teams are going to be on the same playing field. All these rookies are going to be going to, are going to kind of be going through the same thing. But that being said, Everybody knows that Shanahan's offense is not like any other offense. And that's what makes it so good, but it's also what makes it so overwhelming. So it's and, and it's funny that you said what you said about Debo Samuel earlier, saying that he didn't know if he'd ever know the offense. Like, you know what I mean? Imagine being something so complex and overwhelming that you're like, man, I don't know if I will ever figure this out. Like, what other things have you done in life that you have said that about? Like that you obviously were trying to figure out. Like imagine if a mechanic like looked at a car and was like, man, I don't know if I'll ever figure this out. You know, like, you know, that's like truly admitting defeat in, 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 in a, in a way, but it just goes to show you what these guys are tasked with. And I, I don't know what Shanahan's playbook looks like, and I don't know how complex it is. I do know that I've, I've read things about how Shanahan spends an entire meeting breaking down one play and how many different ways it can go. So, I mean, that should tell you right there just how crazy this is. But, Crocker, you've spent some time on an NFL team and experienced, you know, the grind. What do you think missing OTAs means to to these guys? Yeah, my, you know, my experience in the NFL training camp, it it, it was interesting, man. And it it comes fast. You are, you know, incorporating new things every day like just they just ramp up the pace of everything and you know the crazy thing is it's not like old days where you know you had two a days and you have like full-on practices and they're like three hours long and I think that's why guys in the old days were like so prepared now training camp it's you know it's about two hours long that's including like stretching like 20 minutes worth of stretching that's also including um like a 20 minute uh special teams period so like the, the the practice in itself isn't it's not really like all that long. So a guy like me that's at the bottom of the roster, I only get so many reps. You only get so many reps. So even these guys, like so somebody like Ayu, uh, he's not gonna be at the bottom of the roster and they're gonna try to force him in there. I don't know how much how many reps they are gonna give him because you still wanna be able to run your offense smooth because you're trying to get ready for a season. Um uh, they are going to throw them in there, but you you lose a lot of reps not having OTAs, and that's gonna that's gonna hurt them. But the good thing is, you know, it's an even playing field. Everybody's dealing with the same thing. Uh, the guys that have figured out a way to deal with it the best, and maybe relay information to their uh, draft picks and just to their guys in general, they're going to be the ones that are better off. The teams that are going to struggle. Or, you know, think of teams like the Dallas Cowboys who have an entirely new coaching staff. How are they, you know, installing stuff and all that? Like, they're hitting the ground for the first time together in August. 
you know, any team that just, you know, had a new head coach. So uh, it's going to be interesting, man, it's really just see how all these teams deal with this. Like, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, it is. It is. But, I, like, you know, you said the same thing that, that I was saying. It's like every team's going through the same thing. The only disadvantage that someone like Brandon Ayuk has is how complex everything he's being presented with. There are far simpler offenses in the NFL, especially for a wide receiver. And, and you know, it, it's just a double-edged sword. Shanahan's offense is amazing. And, you know, it's complexity and unpredictability is part of the reason it is amazing. And that's just kind of something he's going to have to deal with. And, and you know, fortunately, everyone's dealing with it. Unfortunately, everyone's dealing with it. It's just kind of one of those things that we're going to have to get through. And, you know, it's, uh, hopefully it's one of those things that years from now we look back at it and we're like, man, remember that? That sucked. You know, that was wild. And, and, and hopefully it's, things have kind of slowly transitioned back to normal. But there's so many question marks when it comes to this next season and what it's going to look like from every perspective, from the players, from, you know, the NFL standpoint and, and you know, how everything's going to be delivered. Obviously, we saw that with the NFL draft. Questions from the fans standpoint, are we even going to be allowed to go into the stadiums? You know, it's just going to be weird. There's a lot going on in there. But, you know. It is what it is. But in the meantime, we're going to keep talking football. We're going to keep talking 49ers. And I think that's that's about it for us today. I think we wrapped it up. And um, we keep finding other things to talk about. But I think next week uh, might be the first time where me and Eric Crocker start doing our little roster breakdown. We're basically going to go from position to position. We'll do one or two positions, a podcast, and just talk about the outlook of that position. Everybody competing for a job. Who should emerge as the guy? Who should, you know, who has to compete for their spot on the team? Who might be gone? All that stuff. We're going to break down the whole roster. That way, when training camp rolls around in about a month and a half, you know, we'll all have a full grasp on the roster together and kind of what we should expect to happen throughout training camp and, you know, any surprises that might come along. But, that is it for us for this week. As always, I appreciate everyone here who listening who is listening to Striking Gold. For Crocker and I together, this is episode 49, which is, you know, got its own little special significance, you know, for obvious reasons. But, you know, we're moving along. And then next week's episode will be episode 50. So it's we've been cruising and we've been loving the support and we can't do it without you guys. We hear from you every week on Twitter. Um, it's awesome. And I appreciate it. And I love doing this shit. So for lack of a better word there. Um, but that's it. That's it for this week. Otherwise, I'm going to start rambling on. So hit it. we'll be back at you next week. Like I said, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter if you uh, just with any of your thoughts. But for this week, Striking Gold, signing out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.